was you're doing these shows for these veterans, right? And they're 70s, 80s sometimes. They haven't really gotten out of bed in a long time. And they're watching you dance around in sequin miniskirts. And so many times, so, so many times, I'm a couple feet away from these guys. And you just see them go, whoop. Oh, my God. (laughs) I mean, there were two times when they took action that I vividly remember. And my friend Sarah was on stage and she was this like tiny little blonde girl and she's like trying to dance and do her thing. And then we saw her from off stage, like on the side. And every time she spun around, she's just like, oh, <gasps> <laughs> like horrified at it. It's like, hey, he's having a great time. Oh, You're having an okay time. It's- someone has to someone has to run in from the side and jump on it like a grenade. <laughs> it's like slow. <laughs> Gonna take one for the troop. And someone else gets PTSD. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Grown Up Christian. I'm Casey. And I'm Sam. And I have been watching... I, I've I've entered a new uh, cinematic universe today. Okay. And it's all thanks to the guys at uh, Boys Bible Study. So they recently posted a clip from this movie called Leap. Did you see that? Yeah, is that one of the... Was one of the stills where someone like had a gun to their head or something like that? Yeah. Yeah. That stuck out to me is one of the more like uh, jarring pictures uh, for like a Christian movie. And a lot of the stills, I was like, if I've ever had my curiosity peaked for what the fuck is going on in a movie, it was with that one. (laughs) Uh, And I'm very glad you watched it and we can debrief now. Well, okay. So I watched the first one this morning, April and I watched it. And then uh, we're, we're in the middle of the second one. We just kind of just started it. How many are but there? Just two, I think. Oh, okay. But uh, I, I imagine there's hopefully more coming. Not, yeah, hopefully not for long. Matter. But so it's a Christian movie written, directed, and everything by this guy, Chris Temple, who's kind of like a one-man machine. He does everything okay. from... A Sorbo type. Uh, yeah, right. And <laughs> this is a Christian parkour movie. Oh, my God. Okay. And I'll, I'll, let me, I'll read you the uh, description here. Well, first, okay, the tagline is, sometimes it takes a leap of faith. Mm. That's beautiful. It, it is nice, yeah. And if that gave you warm and fuzzies, try this on. It says, three college students start learning parkour and lead their trainer to Christ. Over the course of a couple Bible studies, couple Bible studies, they learn that they're living on the brink of the end times and must learn to be strong as their faith is tested as the groundwork for the mark of the beast is laid out. Ground Is that a reference to the groundwork? I guess they need to parkour their way out of it. Uh, what What is happening in this movie, Casey? I feel like Chris should have parkoured his way out of that single sentence description. Yeah, they could have parkoured their way out of that film completely. But... <laughs> it's like, it's a, uh, it's, I would say it's like loosely defined parkour because it's mostly just kind of like hopping over handrails. So it's like that opening scene of the office. (laughs) 
it's Whether... it's exactly like that. Yeah, okay. <laughs> no one falls in a porta potty, unfortunately. But yeah, it's it's <laughs> like he's training this group of Christian kids that that he met because and they're just like basically like jumping over handrails and then uh, you know balancing on things, rolling on the ground here and there, and in the first one. So he, they, uh, they meet this kid who's a parkour guy and start training with him and ask him to go to their Bible study. And so he goes to their college group and this is, this is also the one I saw you comment on it, but it was like all scriptures quoted are, are in King James version. Yes. That, that quote, I still don't quite understand what was going on there. Are you, do you have some insight into that or? Well, I mean, there's just a lot of time. There's a lot of time spent on training montages of them doing like very basic exercise. And then there's a lot of time spent in their college group with like this dopey looking youth pastor guy reading King James verses and elaborating on them. So what's funny about it, though, is it says, um, I feel like I need to pull up their post while I I'll narrate my way through it. But it was um okay no, i guess that's the wrong one it was like something about king james whenever possible king the king james version oh yeah the, the scriptures in this film are accurate all scripture is quoted from the kjv whenever possible and it's just really <laughs> hard to think of a time in which it's just not possible to use the kjv Unless you're looking at a translation that's saying something that fits more your style and it just doesn't carry the same weight in the KJV, which seems more like a them problem when you're like using the Bible to like, oh, it's all God's word. And we use the KJV whenever possible until it didn't serve our purpose anymore, because that's ultimately what the Bible is for serving our purpose. Yeah, well, and I think that probably nails it because this guy's clearly got like some uh, he's got some 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 interpretations of those end times prophecies that are his own or at least that I'm not familiar with. Like he, he seems to think that like the rapture is not real and everybody's going to live through. Like there's people who don't think that the rapture is real, but like, is there a group of people that don't think that the rapture is real, but still think that there's going to be an antichrist that rises up and persecutes everyone. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. It's like the, it's like a, post-millennialist or something like that i think um or amillennialist i forget uh but basically it's like all no christians are raptured prior to the quote-unquote end times. so there's like the end times turmoil and every one of us has to live through it and that's where like your faith gets really tested and only the true scotsmen make their way to the lord's kingdom when it's all said and done (laughs) that's his view he thinks that all that they're going to end up living through the end times. They expel that out pretty explicitly. That was so my view when I was at Liberty, man. That's the view that I landed on for quite some time. Well, that's fun. I mean, yeah. So then you do have to like do some prepping and stuff before the end times to, uh, because you won't be able to buy and sell without getting the computer chip in your hand. Right. Exactly. It's funny because I think part of me, I think there was probably always a part of me that just didn't believe in it for real, you know? So you're like, I think we're going to have to live through it. And then that's when, you know, as Christians, we really need to stand firm. And you kind of like play it up in your own mind as like a, um, 
it's like that, like, you know, it's, I guess it's just part of the persecution complex, right? Where you're like, ah, we'll all have to suffer for the gospel if it really means something to us. And I think I was always like that, that fear in the back of your mind that you're not a real one and that you might like puss out or something. So you have to like, I, I think that I probably just decided that I believe that because I thought that it made me feel less escapist and more like I'm ready. I'm, I'm ready for this as a, as a true believer. Yeah. And the, the uh, persecution complex is strong in this movie, as you might imagine. That's like a, I mean, that's a requirement for Christian cinema, isn't it? I think so. Like, that's the only way to build drama is to, like, insinuate that, like, Christians are going to be tortured. And it's funny because they talk to this, they ask this kid to go to the youth group with them, and he shows up, and, like, the lessons that he hears that lead him to, like, accept Christ are basically, like, them reading out of revelations that, like, there's going to be plagues and rumors of wars and, and earthquakes, of course. Yeah, they get him. They make an appearance and he's just like talking to his girlfriend because he has a, a parkour girlfriend that she's got like total. Parkour like, <laughs> she's got scene girl from 2009 vibes. So she's got like the the swoopy hair, but then it's all like puffed up in the back like it's teased real big. Oh, that's nice. And that's like she, the, uh, the Gwen Shamblin meets scene girl kind of. Yeah, and she is she's a naughty gal. Like she's very upset with him for going to church with them. She doesn't want to hear the gospel. And then like when they start, okay, so at some point he gets saved and he's like, you know, our time is short here. The end times are coming and and we need to share the gospel with people. So they start a parkour ministry. I can't imagine anything being more successful. <laughs> It were it worked really well. They led a whole bunch of people to Christ. They only got to do it once, but they basically they all had matching t-shirts on and they stood in front of a handrail in like different positions, the four of them did. And so people get out of class and they start walking out of the building and there's just like these four morons standing in the lawn like dildos. And they're all <laughs> like, "What what is that? What what are they doing? Whoa, what's going on?" Oh, come check this out. These people are doing something. And then all of a sudden he goes, now. And then they all start hopping over handrails together. Oh, and that is uh, somehow communicates their faith in the Lord, I guess. I was thinking it'd be more like more theatric. Like, you know, how we what were those um, those plays, those silent plays that people would do in church where it's like someone goes to hell or some shit like that? Is it like a passion play? Did they yeah, call it? Something, something like, like that. that? And they're overly like dramatized, and like you think of all the ways that Christians make these terrible connections between like, it, it's like I would expect something more like bad metaphor for uh, parkour, and and like normally if you fell from this twelve foot drop, you would you would die. But like parkour, learning parkour is like exercising your faith, and then instead of dying and going to hell, you you roll into like this cool little somersault and, and you don't even break your legs and and that's that's jesus man and that then comes they're like into play you guessed exactly what that's happens. cool <laughs> <laughs> later in the movie that wasn't part of the ministry but oh my yeah, god that, that, we that should factors try to, in. i feel like we could um we could really well i guess a movie was already made about this actually um that what was the one with uh 
faith-based. Faith-based was the movie uh, where they decide to make a Christian movie because they just know how to make a Christian movie from growing up in that environment. And it's like, it's something to do with like the first prayer uttered in space or something like that. And it's over the top. <laughs> it's a fucking, right. it's a fucking it fantastic great. movie. And um, <laughs> it's, it's like, if you, if you grew up in that environment, you know, the formula and that's, what's funny about all these people who make these Christian movies. It's like, and then we'll do this and we'll do that. But like, Anyone like anyone who lived that life can just predict where those movies are going uh, without putting a lot of real effort into it. You're just like, how do I connect this to Jesus in the shittiest way possible? And then you get like a flood of youth group memories and bad testimonies. And and then it all comes together in the end. So we I think we'd probably be pretty successful at putting together a Christian movie. Yeah. I mean, you study the masterpieces like Leap and uh, and you just, you know, it is formulaic. But if the formula is untouchable in its perfection, then what are you going to do? You know, obviously you don't fuck with it. So they get done hopping over handrails and stuff like that. And uh, the guy just kind of preaches from there. And he's like, holds up his Bible and he's like, hey, everybody, listen to me for just a second. He's like, you know, a lot of you. What did he? Oh, he said, by show of hands. How many of you have accepted Jesus Christ as your personal savior? And there's a couple that that raise their hands and he's like, "How many of you think that you're going to heaven?" And more hands go up. And he's like, "You know what? I used to be like you. I used to be stupid and think that being good men I would go to heaven, but I was wrong, just like you are, idiot." And then <laughs> he leads a whole bunch of them to Christ. So they get back to youth group and they're like telling the youth pastor about it and they're all amped up. They're like, we got to be, we got to do a couple more campus events. And then I think we could do this like in a major city and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, well, he goes, I have to show you guys something. Not everybody liked your performance. So he pulls out this letter and it's like, you know, stop preaching the gospel. This is your final warning. We won't ask you again. I I like <laughs> wait and it's from the school I imagine right No it's anonymous Oh but then uh, oh my god that makes it actually worse like you would think if they did it on a school campus and like then they could go up against the man there right like well now we're going to like brush up against like real authority but anonymous Well and so earlier you know the guy's parkour girlfriend he was trying to tell her about like how much stuff the Bible had predicted that's all coming true, like earthquakes. And uh, she's like, I think that was the first earthquake since like 200 AD when the book was written too. So I think that's pretty cool. I mean, they are rare. Yeah. It's hard to, it's hard to not let that sink in. Uh, I saw a cool video today of someone who was like, who quoted revelation as a, uh, the part where it's like something about like people with shiny breastplates and this or that will be, riding a bunch of horses and going into battle and and she's like but people don't do that today and and when you think about it like what could be something like that today and i I think i've cracked the code i think that like all these people is talking about like when uh that's like gonna be like uh, one third of the people on the planet are gonna die is what it is she's like i think i cracked the code i think that that today's comparison to these horses and these riders and the horses trains how many trains have been derailed in the past few months? and uh it it makes you think 
about how wrong she is and stupid. But <laughs> dude, who doesn't ride a train every day? Like I take a train to work. It's actually even more difficult for me to take a train to work than to just drive, but I do it anyways because they're shiny. Yeah, I mean, can you think of a more difficult way to kill one third of the population than like trains <laughs> going through the middle of fucking nowhere all the time? <laughs> oh man, yeah, that's gonna take a lot of vinyl chloride. <laughs> so, uh, the guy's girlfriend was really upset that he became a Christian, and he's she's like, she's like, I didn't know you were gonna become a Jesus freak. She goes, you have to choose between your God or me. And he's like, I choose God. And she gets mad and storms out. She's like, you're going to regret leaving me. Okay. So they, so they get this anonymous letter and then immediately they go outside and him and one of the girls in the group get kidnapped in a van. No. And so there's a person in a ski mask talking through like a voice, uh, distorter. Yeah. And, she like the person like puts a gun to the girl's head and she's like, are you, do you believe in God? And she goes, Oh, everyone's favorite wet dream. <laughs> <laughs> she goes, no, I, I don't. And then she turns to the guy and she's like, do you believe in God? And he's like, show me who you are. I'm not answering you until you show me who you are. And so he pulls the mask He's off. Brave. I love how brave he is. He's so much more, more brave after two days of being saved than the girl who like led him to Christ. I mean, that's the power <laughs> of the Holy Spirit, though. <laughs> he was on fire for God. And of course, you know, like the ski mask comes off and it's his ex-girlfriend. Yeah. The scene queen. So she's like, I told you you'd regret it. I told you to stop preaching the gospel. And she's like, do you believe in God? And he's like, yes, I do. And it so, probably doesn't end with her blowing his head off, which no. Yeah. So she points the gun at him. The other girl who just denied Christ pushes her off of him in the back of the van. She rolls forward. They fling the door open and they jump out of this very slow moving van onto some grass. Real Peter move of her. I appreciate it. Well, and the ex-girlfriend rolls out of the door, points the gun and shoots the girl in the back. Over her boyfriend becoming a Christian. Like, just cut your losses, bitch. It's like, <laughs> who cares? Yeah. Who and cares? So now she's murdered somebody. He takes off. For some reason, she doesn't shoot him. And he takes off running. And then they have a parkour chase scene that lasts way too long. Oh, my God. Wait, not the girl with the, with the bullet in her back, right? No, she's dead. Oh, she dies with the bullet. Okay. Yeah, so she's dead. The yeah. guy runs away. He, so she gets very, denying Christ. None of her friends like have much of an emotional reaction to her dying. <laughs> I mean, it's hard to feel bad for someone who just denied Christ. Like, didn't she? De I mean, she deserved it, really. You got to just yeah. move on. I mean, you I think that on. was kind of the, well. Okay, don't jump ahead. Okay. So they run and run and run. He jumps over like a bulldog statue, some rocks, picnic tables and stuff. And then they're on a roof, a one story building roof. Okay. <laughs> and she's like, don't do it. You're out of your mind. And he's like, sometimes you just got to take a leap of faith. And he runs and jumps off the 10 foot roof and rolls and keeps running. 
she tries to follow him and snaps her ankle. So later on, they're at their college group. They're talking about the girl who died. And I don't remember exactly how it came up, but basically the youth pastor said that she was in hell now. <laughs> no joke. They're like, they're talking about it and they're like, he's like, I think, I think we have to assume that her death was both literal and figurative. And they're all like, Oh, bummer. <laughs> and he goes, he goes, I think there is a powerful lesson to be, to be learned here though. I mean, she's literally, she's been dead for like four hours. And he's oh like, teaching the body's still warm. He's like, you know, the Bible says that whoever seeks to save their life will lose it. Well, what was the homie doing when he jumped off the roof? Not trying to save his life? Don't deny Christ. You can Yikes. embrace Christ and you will land any medium height jump. <laughs> that sounds it's like an amazing film. movie. Yeah. And it's but, called Leap. 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 Uh, which is also the name of a child's movie about a ballerina. Uh, so they share the same name. So well, don't accidentally put on the wrong film. It might take you about 30 minutes to realize you're watching the wrong thing. Uh, but you just don't want to waste that kind of time when um, there are souls to be saved. Right. Well, and uh, let me let me read you the ta- like the description from... Leap to Rise of the Antichrist. <laughs> Everything that dude. How rise many of the movies? Beast. Oh, Rise of the Beast. How many movies are like Rise of? I mean, there's Left Behind with like Rise of the Antichrist. There's two Left Behind movies that are like Rise of the Antichrist, right? Yeah. The only thing worse than this is Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> so it says, in the near future, the world leaders have given up their power to Vatican City. While most rejoice at the thought of world peace and religious tolerance, Shane Turner and his Leap crew so aren't buying into it. It's not long before they identify the papal power as the beast of revelation and speak out against it. In response, the Vatican sets out to hunt down the Leap crew. The end has begun. The Vatican. The fucking Vatican. You, you know how they... The Vatican if you wanted to. They're... That's like getting in touch with the that's it's probably harder to get in touch with the Pope than the fucking president of the United States. They run you want to get their attention, start hopping over picnic tables. Yeah. <laughs> it's the unreal. little bit that I've watched so far. The one of the reasons that they all of a sudden are like very skeptical of the Vatican is because they're like, you know, they've established a one world religion and you know they're accepting of everyone. I've heard that they're even letting gays and women preach in the churches. This guy clearly knows nothing about Catholicism. So the entire <laughs> movie is built on a false premise. That's cool. Yeah. Oh my God. That's so dumb. <laughs> it's something it's a, uh, I recommend it. I'll, I'll, we'll see if I recommend the second one. The first one highly recommend shout well, out to boys Bible study for uh, pointing me in the direction. <laughs> Well, I'm looking for the breakdown of the second film. I feel like there's a cut that uh, that new Jesus film uh, might be something worth watching and talking about. We'll see. I don't know if it's got. The, I don't know that it's going to get the same kind of shade that other one, other Christian movies do. The ones like the Jesus Revolution or something like that. I've been curious it's about like that. The Manson Family uh, prequel. A Manson Family Vacation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
Oh, Charlton God. Love. <laughs> All right. Well, we should probably introduce our guest. Um, our guest this week is a comedian or comedian. Am, am I supposed to say comedian? Is that? <laughs> it's like open to interpretation. I don't know. I might have stepped into some uh, stepped into some dangerous territory here, but. Uh, uh, all jokes. Sadra Summer Sumner is um, she has primarily done comedy in Paris, uh, but she was uh, the way we got connected was really cool. Uh, so she was back in the states. She was in New York. Uh, she was doing some comedy in some different cities in the U.S. and she was doing a, a New York show. And she had she had made a joke about what she had, she had a joke about growing up Christian. And after the show, some in the audience had gone out to her and asked her if she heard of the growing up Christian podcast and, and referenced her towards it. Uh, she had not, and she checked it out. Uh, and she had reached out to us and we started talking back and forth and it was, uh, everything else was, uh, was, I, I happened in the Lord's time, I guess is the way I would put it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's great. Shout she out was, to the person at the audience. Though, I know. I want to be a vessel. Yeah. So if you're listening uh, and you were the one that talked to Sadra, then please shoot us a message. That's really fucking cool of you. And Sadra's great, super funny, a lot of fun. We had a great time talking to her. And uh, yeah, yeah. Follow all of her stuff. I'll have all of her stuff in the uh, in the description, so you can follow her on the socials and all that. Um, if you enjoy the show, leave us a review wherever you listen to it and give us a, you know, recommendation to a friend of yours. We appreciate that a lot. And you should join. You've listened to multiple episodes of the show. If you haven't joined the discord, what do you just, just do it already. It's, it's fun. It's a fun place. So jump in over there and enjoy our conversation with Sager Sumner. Hey everybody, we are back with our guest, Sadra Sumner. What's up, Sadra? Hello, how are you guys doing? Doing quite well. Doing great. Very nice to have you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, good to be here. Where you're where are you coming to us from? Right now I'm in California. Um okay. but I'm usually in Paris, France. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. You, it seems like you've been traveling around a little bit since uh yeah. what, the past month. Yeah, kind of like the past three weeks. Basically, um, I do stand-up comedy, and I was just in New York recently doing some shows. Wanted to get out to California, see West Coast versus East Coast. What would a cool place be to land in the future? Because um, Paris ah. is lovely, but not really the home for English stand-up comedy. No. Don't know if you guys knew that. <laughs> I was that was definitely uh, on the list of questions as to how that uh, works. They only like jokes about wine and smoking cigarettes with your lover. Is that the problem? Yeah, just just a lot of it. It's like this. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> the little extenders on them, like that, like Cruella, the Cruella de Vil extenders or whatever the fuck. You call I don't them. think you can <laughs> buy cigarettes without those in France, right? No, yeah, it's illegal actually. The boxes are long. I think the, I think the closest we come to those in the states are Virginia Slims. <laughs> yeah, you know the vapes are really like making a push to get back into that old like 1920s French flair, but not quite. Yeah, I like the vapes that look like they just came out of a steampunk movie. Mm, yeah, yeah, just for sure. The giant mechanical bricks. Do people use those in Paris? Are they they're just really lame that and seems American? Very American. It's very, it's pretty. It's like more like a. I feel like those are more like carrying a gun around, and the, <laughs> like you said, the Parisians are more about like anything that looks like a baguette. 
So that's more their vibe. <laughs> you need an I open carry for one of those like mechanicals. This... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was having like this uh, inner debate earlier this week because I stopped at. Do, they, do you guys have you ever been to a disgusting part of the country that has loved truck stops? Oh, absolutely. I grew up in that part of the country. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I was at a loves and I stopped and I bought some monsters and they were like three dollars and 50 cents a piece. And I was looking at them and I at, like standing in there looking at these things. And I'm like, maybe I should just take up smoking. Like, which one of these is worse? Which one's more lame? I think I could save money if I took up smoking. <laughs> That's a great ad campaign for Marlboro, just for them to feature <laughs> monsters with the price tag. <laughs> like, yeah. which is better? It's just like a picture of a mar, like a pack of cigarettes and a, like a Monster Energy, and it's just like, what would you pick? Don't be a bitch. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> I guess I have to go with cigarettes. <laughs> I don't want to be a bitch. <laughs> uh, it is funny with the vapes, like how there's such a discrepancy in like, like when they first came out, I feel like all I saw was like the long skinny ones that look like a cigarette. Right. And a lot of them mm-hmm. even look like a cigarette. Yeah. And it's like every year now they just get bigger and bigger and bigger. Now it's like, like carrying around. The XR version. Do you remember when we all had cell phones that were like, the, do you remember that SNL skit where it's Will Ferrell and he's like, opening his tiny little cell phone that's right oh yeah remember, remember your, your your first friend that got a motorola razor yeah and you guys were like it's so flat yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah they're like if you put it sideways it's invisible no one will know you have one and now it's yeah. like do you have that new 12 inch tablet phone and you're like <laughs> people are back to like putting them on their belts yeah when do like, zoomers my back laptop around yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and i love I, I was like when they started coming out, so that obviously tablets are like, oh, everyone wants those now. And then they started putting tablets in cases that had keyboards and shit. And you're like, okay, what the fuck are we doing? This feels like, yeah, sure. feels like a joke. Have you guys seen the AirPod holders? No. It's like, a, it's like a string and it's like, never lose your AirPods yeah. again. <laughs> oh my God. Are you serious? 100%. <laughs> that feels like an SNL sketch. Dude, we should start selling like beaded yeah. ones, almost oh, yeah. like old ladies would wear with their glasses for canasta or whatever, you know? Oh, I love those. <laughs> careful. Be careful. <laughs> or, yeah, inter- or intertwine them with the band that goes on your glasses to keep them from falling off your head. There Every- we go. Yeah, everything for sure. 100%. Just make it one big headpiece. I think that Put would some be crystals big. in there, like appeal yeah. to like the white girl faction, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, like a Pandora version, you know? Yeah, absolutely. A little vial for your essential oils. <laughs> so is the East or the West winning right now? Or are you still like uh, trying out New York? And- oh, New York and Cali? Oh, gosh. That's such a hard question. Such a hard question. I have New York energy, but I attract California people. Um, and I don't know if that's like a yin and yang thing. Like, I love the pace of New York. I love, like, I don't mind public transportation. Like I can do that, but I also don't mind driving. Like one of my fond, like I grew up in Pennsylvania, middle of nowhere, Pennsylvania. One of my fondest memories was just like, once I had my license driving the independence, like going on the highway. And I don't, I don't mind that here either. And I love the sun. I love the beach. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just very happy anywhere I can do comedy. Um, yeah. And so New York and California are great. 
Yeah, this, I feel like those are like the main options. Well, apparently Paris too, but or Boston. Uh, people, you know, <laughs> New York, Los Angeles, Paris. Yeah, <laughs> said no. You can one always ever. like move to Austin and try to offer Joe Rogan beef jerky or something. Oh like my that. gosh, yeah. that's an option get me too. <laughs> I, t- I tested out Austin last year as well. I've done it down there, but Chicago is another place I haven't done stand up in Chicago yet. Uh, I don't really have like. I don't think I have Chicago energy. I don't know. We'll see. Maybe someday I'll test it out. But I don't know. I love, I've really loved both of them. It's hard for me not to like a place. There's so many great things about just visiting new places and the people here and the food and it's just magical. So I don't know if any side is winning yet. New York's closer to my family and it's closer on the plane. So maybe like a half a point for New York. Yeah. LA is out there, especially if you're in East, from the East Coast. How long have you been in, uh, in Paris? It'll be, it's 15 years now this year. Oh, wow. wow. Yeah, I know. Crazy, right? I moved out there right after college. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's, let's start at the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> so rural Pennsylvania, then you end yes. up in Paris. Like what, tell us a little bit about how you grew up. For sure. So I grew up evangelical Christian. Um, I grew up. The only kind my- that the Lord blesses. The only true, uh, the only true Christians who are going to heaven to live a life of eternity with the Lord Christ. I get, I'm annoyed at myself for saying it. I can't, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> no, I grew up in a really small town in Pennsylvania, a thousand people. Both my parents were school teachers. Everything was sports, sports, sports. When I got older, I got into theater and singing and I sang at church a lot, like with the cassette tapes where like you have a couple seconds and then the music kicks in, you just got to jump in. But from back in the day. Yeah. So you were a disappointment early on? Is that exactly? Yeah, that's no. what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> that was peak. I remember doing that. Uh, my buddy had like two, he he like moonlighted with another youth group when we were in junior high, high school, mm-hmm. and they didn't have a band. So like they had a cassette tape queued up, and like you, they would just turn on the newsboys and we would sing along with it. And it the was, I just remember boys. even at the time being like, I hate. <laughs> oh my gosh oh my gosh see i loved it because i had this like stage i wanted to be the center of attention but there was also this thing of like hey this guy named jesus is going to be the center of attention and i was like okay i guess so <laughs> i guess i'll share the stage with him I'll yeah, pretend if to care. Up, maybe if i cozy up to this guy i'll get some i'll get some of that runoff attention <laughs> so i like i grew up um I grew up uh, going to a Christian and Missionary Alliance church. Have you guys ever heard of that? Yes, I did. Uh, I was at a Missionary Alliance church for a minute on in Cape Cod. Really nice. Okay. Yep. Well, I don't know if that's nice or not. Um, it was. It's fine for me. I mean, I when I go to visit my parents, I go back and I say hi to everyone, and they wish me well, and it's all good. Um, the thing about that church is it was so focused on missions and mm-hmm. witnessing and saving souls for Christ. And so as I was growing up, there was sports, and then I started getting into singing and theater. And then there was also this, like, how many souls have you saved for Christ this year? There was this, like, other hey. box to fill. Mm-hmm. Was this paperwork and you filled out? Like A lot of admin. Yeah. I'm so good at doing my taxes now, thanks to church. <laughs> <laughs> your church so actually gave winning, you uh, deeds. <laughs> your church um, gave kickbacks on all your tithe money based on souls <laughs> saved. Like that would be, <laughs> oh my gosh, that would be amazing. I would maybe go back. Um, <laughs> it's, it's basically just like that. What was the book club that they did at school where if you sold so many, then you the got the pizza hut one? Oh, the pizza. <laughs> yes. 
Yeah. I didn't have a I didn't have a good clue of what it was until you said that. But yes, that is a good. Yeah. Or it was yeah. was it Little Caesars? Uh, was, I mean, maybe they got in on it, it too. Where I was from was Pizza Hut, but it was um, I don't remember Scholastic something. No, that was the book fair. I don't remember what it's called, but yeah. <laughs> You got yeah, I was at the, the pizza kits. You had to sell yeah. a certain amount of them, and then you got like I don't know a, a toy from Wish. <laughs> <laughs> so many schemes, so many like knocking on doors and selling chocolates and things. So yeah. much like capitalism drilled into us at a young age. It's like oh, I'm yep. going on a different tangent, but just let the kids be kids. Um, but yeah. like, yeah, capitalism. My form of capitalism was like go save souls for Christ. And there was like, there was not a lot of other things going on in the area where I grew up. And I just wanted to be a part of something. And I was a part of something when sports were in season, like I played softball and I played basketball and stuff. But when it was summer or when it wasn't like we weren't in the playoffs, it's like, well, I guess I'll go to youth group and we'll play games there and we'll talk there and I'll have these friends. Then at the end, there's always that like, do you accept the Lord Jesus Christ into your heart and soul? And how many people have you helped accept Jesus Christ into your, into your soul? Every and week, every I mean, every week there's always a call. There's because like they never want to miss yeah, an opportunity, so. you know. Um, Maybe our, it, my youth pastor saved it only when he recognized a visitor in the crowd. Was you, was your church big? No, I mean, uh, maybe like a little bit more than a hundred people. Like in the youth oh, group, okay. was, yeah. I don't know, ten people or less. Yeah, I was say they gotta know that they got everybody in that audience already. <laughs> That's like my you never know, you know? It's uh, it's like skepticism too. It's like you could just walk the walk, but do you talk the talk? And you might know that you know, but you don't know that you know that you know. And now we gotta, you know, ask again just to be safe. Or it's like people who get who um redo their vows. It's like do you want to recommit your <laughs> life to Christ? It's like, I just committed last week, man. What do you want from me? It's kind of like, yeah, it's like you're the, uh, you know, a, a Wisconsin police department and you just keep asking Brendan Jassy to like tell his story over again <laughs> until you get the answer you want. It's like once yeah. saved, always saved. But do you want it? Do you want to get uh, saved again? Just yeah. so maybe next week uh, in between youth groups, don't finger your girlfriend the back of your pickup truck. <laughs> Okay, so that that was actually <laughs> that was not a thing. Funny you say that. I was so like my moral code was like God, 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 Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. That I was not like I was like no sex, no drugs, no alcohol, like all that stuff is horrible. I was very much like straight laced uh, until I got to college, and then I went to Messiah College. Oh yeah, which, yeah. I used to be embarrassed to tell people that, but I had a changed. few friends that went there. Where, where yeah. is what? Grantham, Pennsylvania, outside Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Okay. Okay. Yeah. What year, what year did you go to college? Oh, eight. I graduated. Oh, you graduated in 08. Yeah. I know it's a big school, so it's, I'm not going to do the game where you just name everyone you know who went there. <laughs> you know, Steve? I mean, it's not, it's not that big. It's not, I mean, I don't know if I went at the same time as you, as your friends, but <laughs> I also hung it's, out with a very small group of people who, I mean, I most like, but the minute I got to school, I was like, I'm done with this. Really? That quick? Pretty much. I'd say within the first year, year and a half, I'd say. Was there like a defining event or something that made you change yes. your mind? Well, I say yes. There were a couple of defining events. Um, I opted to go to a Christian school because of this, like, have like, I was like witnessing saving souls for Christ. Like, this is what we got to do. And I went to public school in Pennsylvania, right? 
But when I went to Messiah, everyone else was like, yeah, we're good. And I was like, oh, well then what Mission am I doing here? Yeah. Like, what am I, what am I doing? And my friends were like, have you heard of alcohol? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, let's try that out. I also took, um, I took a gap year between high school and college and I traveled around the country with a group called Recreation. And we, uh, this is very embarrassing, but we performed in the veterans hospitals, like song and dance performance, like da, 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 da. <laughs> and so by the time I got to college, I was a year older and so I could drink sooner than everyone else. So I had like two, two and a half years of being 21. Oh, you got to, so you bought alcohol for underage kids, didn't you? hundred percent. hundred percent. Yeah. Once I figured out it was the good, good. What was uh, the, <laughs> the, the recreation thing? Was that like, you just was, like. Hey, veterans, you can't have a replacement limb, but there's a song. (laughs) (laughs) I wish it were that simple. Okay. So actually, again, I have mad respect for this group because they're doing good things. Uh, I joined because I saw them come to my church when I was a kid and my youth pastor um, was part of them and my director, my choir director in uh, high school, like helped them out a lot. And I wanted to perform again, like I wanted to be the center of attention. So this was a way to do it. it we, I traveled to all 50 states with them. We, it was a volunteer based thing. So we would write letters to people who would sponsor us every month and just tell them what we're doing and where we're at. They would send in money. We would perform at the veterans hospitals. It was a great program for the veterans because they got free entertainment. Uh, we got to see the country. And then on Saturday nights, we stayed with a Christian family somewhere, usually in like Midwestern America. And we met their children. We had dinner with them. We woke up in the morning, we did a church show on Sunday, and then we got back in the van and we like drove on. Um, did you meet any interesting families on the road? So many, so many interesting families. So I was also 18 when I was doing it. So my memory is a little foggy. I do remember, so we went to Hawaii, and I do remember being in Hawaii on the military base there. And the woman was so angry that she had cement walls. She's like, I can't hang any pictures here. <laughs> that stuck in my memory. I'm just like, you live in Hawaii. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and what are you going to hang a picture of? <laughs> if you need you need windows. That's what you need. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever heard of command strips? <laughs> <laughs> she was just so like angry with life uh, and like being a military wife and like being in this beautiful place, but like she wasn't taking advantage and like that, her anger like stuck with me and that really like just formed me. This is one of the church um, families. This is one of the, yeah, it would have been because the only people we stayed with were church families. And if we weren't doing a church service and we stayed at like an Ebus or a best West, not a best Western, that's too nice. Come on. Like a motel six or something. Yeah. Um, Ooh. but yeah, yeah, it was, it was a minute. Um, that was that was fun. That was really fun. So you would how often were you writing letters? That sounds like a lot to like I I remember trying to raise money to go on a missions trip. Um and feeling like that was really difficult to write letters just to get a thousand. I don't even know how much I was even able to raise, but I mean, did you was there like a set cost for this program or were you like constantly like shit, I'm running out of money, got to write a few more letters? No, it was actually so like the way I described it probably isn't accurate. It was a it's an organization that's been around, I think, since 1976. Um, and they have like they have the infrastructure to support it. And we got paid a hundred dollars a month, I think, back in the day. I don't know what it is now. Um, but we wrote letters to people who supported us, and there were a couple hundred people who supported us, and each month we wrote to someone new. 
I okay. probably wrote like 10 letters a month. I get like, like, thank you letters. for your support. Yeah. Here's what we're doing. Mm-hmm. I got you. Yeah. <laughs> Not like, dear page. John. <laughs> Begging for money constantly on the road. That's more <laughs> what you do now as a comic, right? That's like. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I feel like that's like Venmo, the comic grind. We got PayPal. We got. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no. But that was, that helped me like see America. It got me a year older when I was in college. It kind of checked off the box of like performing and stuff. And then I was like, right, okay, now I got to go get a degree and I got to like make something to myself and I got to get back to like witnessing to people. Actually, one of the funniest things of (laughs) looking back now, it's funny at the time it was traumatizing was you're doing these shows for these veterans, right? In their seventies, eighties, sometimes they haven't really gotten out of bed in a long time. And they're watching you dance around in sequin mini skirts. And so many times, so, so many times. I'm a couple feet away from these guys and you just see them go, whoop. Oh my God. <laughs> I, props to them. 70s and 80s, they're still I mean, there were two times when they took action that I vividly remember. And my friend Sarah was on stage and she was this like tiny little blonde girl and she's like trying to dance and do her thing. And then we saw her from off stage, like on the side. And every time she spun around, she's just like, <gasps> <laughs> like horrified at it. it's like hey he's having a great time oh, you're having an okay time it's- someone has to someone has to run in from the side and jump on it like a grenade <laughs> it's like slow <laughs> gonna take one for the troop and someone else gets ptsd <laughs> <laughs> oh my god that is wild. you get you the guys talk about Oh, 100, 100%. We talked about it. 100%. It wasn't like a, we'll pretend this didn't happen. It was like that guy got fully torqued. No, like we just jo- we joked about it. All There were there were probably what, four girls and four boys. And I was the youngest and the oldest was probably 30 years old. And it was it was just, it was a fun time. In life. <laughs> it was like the real world, but less like sex. Yeah. A lot less sex. Like no sex. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I traveled for three years for work. I haven't been to all 50 states, but like 46. <laughs> but uh, like, I'm always interested, like what's what's a place that sticks out to you as like, uh, I hate this place. I'm never going oh. here again. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow, wow, wow. Um, a truly I hate this place? That's so hard. I really do feel like I try to find something good in each place. And it was a long time ago and I have a horrible memory. So maybe I'm like thinking about them through like through, through a rose colored le- glasses, rose colored lens. But um, I would say like either the gosh, I don't want to like offend anyone. <laughs> <laughs> they, know. they know if they live there, they know they're like, yeah, of course this sucks. No. I, and I mean, like, there's definitely some pockets of the deep South that are not my favorite. There's like areas in East Texas. Don't love it. Um, there's areas like that. Yeah. There's, there's even areas like in the not so deep South, but like in the Virginias and the Carolinas or like, what is it? The, the Mississippi, like Delta. Is that a place? Did I just make that up? Um, where <laughs> you're just, like, especially as a woman and, like, as a young woman, you're either looked at as a second-class citizen or you're just, like, 
or you're looked yeah. at through like a hey honey like and you're like okay i don't want to be alone here um or you're getting saluted yeah <laughs> <laughs> I lived in Virginia. Well, yeah, Casey and I both lived in Virginia for a while. And there is definitely some like towns that you would go to where you're like, what Damn am I Bill. doing here? Like, why does this? Okay. So on? even just thinking about, so I drove down to North Carolina over the summer and I was stuck in traffic on the highway. So Google always thinks it's worth telling you to go back roads when it really has never been worth it once in my life, but I fall for it every time. Mm-hmm. And I'm on these back roads and for the, on the highway for miles, it's been nothing. And then you get off on these back roads and you're like, it's still mostly nothing, but it's just that one road with a bunch of buildings that are falling apart. And then you get to the end of it and then it's nothing again for a while. And you're like, how do you, how do, how, how do people live here? How does like people graduate high school and then just like stay and work at the one building there is to work. Like it's a fully almost self-sustaining economy. And They have a lot of math too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They do. Also part what their biggest, um, that's like what most of their town money comes from, I suppose. But now, any the, of these small towns that have any sort of industry at all, like the migrant community are keeping those towns afloat. Which, for sure. Thank God. Because that's where, I mean, like here, you know, I live in Kansas. And so like you go West and there's all like, tons and tons of, like a lot of the beef and stuff like that that people mm. eat gets processed mm. and handled and things like that like dodge city and garden city and mm. that's all like south american migrants that are there and stuff and thank god they like go there build communities make the best of it and keep us in food because yeah the white population in those places sucks <laughs> <laughs> Do you know the town where I went to high school is the home of Chef Boyardi? Oh, is oh. it? Did yeah. you tour the plant as a field trip ever? hundred percent. Yes, that's so great. Yeah. They yeah, let you yeah. eat eat raviolis off the conveyor belt? Not quite. <laughs> they do have standards. <laughs> Did you see them before they had sauce on them? <laughs> probably. Yeah, probably at some point. You're, you're um, but- a few people have seen Chef Boyardi noodles without sauce. I've seen the the OG. I mean, you could just rinse it off if you really wanted to see it. <laughs> Can you imagine? You're like, look, I don't really like the sauce, but I love the pasta. So I, I put it in a strainer, I rinse it off, and I put my own sauce on it. <laughs> that I make the over m- the course of eight hours. <laughs> <laughs> I slow cook a marinara for the course of two days. But that uh, Chef Boyardee man, he knows what's up. <laughs> yeah hold the ketchup (laughs) that's so great that's so great so So yeah so alcohol was a defining uh moment in your life so like i had this very black and white moral compass right of like i can't be drinking and going to church in the morning but when you're drinking it's friday night saturday night and so i would experiment a little bit and then a little bit gets to be a lot and then it's like oh i'm going out and drinking saturday night i don't feel right getting up and going to church the next day so i just stopped going to church it's it was kind of of the easiest decision in a way but I mean it it wasn't just that there were a lot of things that were happening um I was I was studying politics and I had this opportunity for an internship at Planned Parenthood and I was so naive that I thought oh my gosh families are 
<laughs> okay, you can go ahead. <laughs> Is that the moment? Is that the defining moment? <laughs> <laughs> I just, you know, anytime somebody mentions hell and or the devil, you gotta, you gotta make them really think about it. I love that. <laughs> I, I was so nice. So at this point, I'm in college. I'm still emailing with my youth pastor. She basically, she wanted me to take over her job one day. She's like, you would be such a great youth pastor. And I was like, yeah, this is amazing. But I still want to get a college education. Da, da, da. She's like, yeah, yeah, go to school. But like, but you like, know, like, <laughs> But you don't really need it, kind of thing. That's you don't so really need it. crazy. No, she didn't, she didn't say that. But, but that's the amount of people who were like, who kind of had like, we were at Liberty University, oh, yeah. and it was yeah. like women who go there, and they're in like women's ministries. It's like you're going to college to never do anything with it. Like the it was. Like, what, is, what is going 100%. on here? Why are we spending forty five plus oh thousand gosh. dollars a year? Now I got oh a Bible God. degree and I don't use that at all, so I'm in the same boat. But anyway, sorry. Go I ahead. mean, I don't, I don't know. I don't use my degree either. I thought, and there was a part of me I thought maybe I want to go into politics and like maybe I want to like to go get into lobbying and like run for office again, like this whole thing of being the center of attention. Like always loved that. That was my thing. But I got this opportunity to do Planned Parenthood through a professor there. I was so naive. I was like, oh, this is people planning families. This is amazing. I'm going to write to my youth pastor and tell her I'm working at Planned Parenthood. And she's like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> the devil has got you. You need to leave right away. And at this point, I'm like, okay, I got this awesome opportunity. I get to work in like around the Capitol every day. I'm with these amazing women. I'm like on this like program, on this like trajectory that is really cool and I'm really enjoying. And so... I just kept doing it. I was, it was sort of like a giant F you to her. I was like this, like, I don't, she's like, you're in, you're within Satan's grasp. He's going to get you and take you like, this is the bait and stuff. And I'm like, I feel like I'm helping women. <laughs> I feel like I'm doing the right thing. That I, It's mind boggling to me that you made it through uh, your youth in church without oh. having like a deep seated disdain and understanding of what was so awful about Planned Parenthood. That's crazy. Was your, was your church yeah. like not super political? No, they weren't super political. I wasn't really super political until I, I would say like my senior year in high school, I had a great teacher who like, again, opened my eyes to a lot of things. I was just very naive. Mm. I was like sports and theater and like, maybe I'll get into politics. But even then I was like, what kind of politics do I want to get into? I just, I just, I liked arguing with people because of witnessing like when I was um gosh I must have been 11 12 13 somewhere around there we went on a witnessing trip called what was it was it life did you guys go to a thing called life mm, it was like a it was like a retreat where they like teach you how to witness and then they send you out kind of like seventh day adventist or no latter-day saint style but it's just like a day trip and we were witnessing to people under the Twin Towers in New York City. Like, I'm from middle of nowhere, Pennsylvania. And people are, like, yeah. rushing to work with their coffee. I'm like, excuse me, can I tell you about the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior? And they're like, fuck you, go to hell. And you're like, what? Yeah. What? Like, throwing <laughs> coffee on me. <laughs> I'm like, one day, you'll learn. It's just so stupid to think, like, the things I spent my time on. But I was like part of a group and I was like a leader. And that's the thing. They're like cultivating this leadership and like just have mm -hmm. faith and just have faith. And it's just very culty. I mean, very, very culty. 
That's basically what? like interning as a homeless person. Uh, (laughs) the 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 whole like you'll be great let's like build you Mm -hmm. up for ministry thing i that got well i don't feel like i had i don't feel like i had that support in youth group but that drive was like I want to be the one that stands out like this, like that's yeah. a spiritual person was like so strong for me that that dictated most of my decisions until I was in like my, yeah, honestly, even my up to my mid twenties where I was just like, mm-hmm. I was probably the first time I was like, fuck trying to mm-hmm. get these people's approval. Now that's not entirely true because I think I switched from those people to somebody else, like other people's approval. But, uh, if within the church realm for a little bit too, but it that's a strong, I mean, that is a very strong force of like, yeah. especially if you're made to feel like you're the, you're the runner up, like in that so much uh, is there's just so much weight put on it as like mm-hmm. of uh, the importance of what you're doing and that it's like has eternal significance is like mm-hmm. the thought mm-hmm. of turning your back on that is uh, how could you? I mean, how could you? This is what you're good at. This you're almost like groom. That's not a great word anymore because yeah. it's been just so misapplied. But you're almost groomed for it in a sense. Yeah. Well, and also like you're responsible for Billy's soul, and like if you don't witness to Billy, like who's going to witness to Billy? Like this is where your paths cross, and like you're take you need to take on responsibility for that person. It's like oh yeah. my gosh. And they'll, oh my it's gosh. like the you don't even have. It's like you don't even have to convince somebody. Like, but you should. So take these apologetics courses, but. Also, you just not saying anything to that person could have been what sends them. Like you might have been the one person who said something and it planted a seed in that moment. Like the stakes are always so fucking high. So much guilt. You're just like you walk. That's why if you if you fly somewhere and don't ruin the flight of the people next to you, you feel bad about it later. Exactly. It's now so I do it as a joke. I sit on every plane ride I get on. I'm like, hey, do you guys know Jesus Christ is your personal Lord and Savior? And I see if they'll stop the plane from taking off. It's, they they do put the armrest down at that point. Which <laughs> the worst is when they're like, "I do, son. I'm oh. so glad you asked." No, it's like, God, I just. <laughs> oh, damn it! How long is this flight? Yeah, got myself. <laughs> I played <You're>... myself. <laughs> Dude, it's funny because like the like you think about all the stories that you heard about witnessing and like the way that they talked about it the way they kind of prepped you to do it and stuff was always that it was always like this weird like slapdash you know taking a shot at somebody who's walking past you or somebody that you know like some person on the street as if Mm -hmm. that's how changes are made like who in the world is like being witnessed to by some random person on the street and they're like i would like to hear more i think it's time to redirect my life it's just like like cat calling (laughs) (laughs) christian cat calling oh my god i love that the success stories are kind of like people telling you that like their buddy bought dogecoin at like point point zero zero two cents and now he's a millionaire you're like i never seen to meet anybody who who won this way yeah Yeah. the the only people who have those like come to jesus Uh, stories that they from the from the street preacher are the ones who now tour churches full-time to tell you about it that's it joel olstein is just joel olstein basically (laughs) hucksters (laughs) (laughs) eternal timeshare salesman 
man, even barking for shows now, every now and again, you have to be like, hey, you want to come to our show? You want to come to our show? It feels dirty. Oh. It feels like I'm trying to like, like I am trying pro. to tell you something, but yeah, I have you, this in my blood. <laughs> when you try to get on a show and they're like, can you bark? You're like, I grew up evangelical Christian. They're like, you're just the right person for the job. Can I bark? <laughs> how many how many pamphlets do you have for me to hand out? Yeah. <laughs> how many tracks do you have in there? Oh gosh. Um yeah. All right. That was, so, that was a moment in time. So Planned Parenthood, um, you start working at the uh, you start doing Planned Parenthood wait, and that make oh, I have yeah. something I have something else. This is really funny. I hope you guys find it funny. I didn't know the word proselytize until very recently, like the last two years. Like I just didn't even know it was a word. Really? And then, yeah. And I still am never sure that I'm saying it right. So right before the call, I Googled it and then I hit the little pronounce button. The woman's voice who says it is a white Midwestern American. She has the <laughs> the vocal. <what's> it? Proselytize. <laughs> yeah. Proselytize. Proselytize. Pro- I'm like, even the word. And then I just thought of any other word and just like Googled it and hit the thing. And it's like a guy and a British woman. And I'm like, why? Why Google? <laughs> <laughs> It's just, <laughs> just giving it to you so in a name. format that relates to you, you know? Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah, it knows me. Google knows me. Anyway, um, went to Messiah College, figured out really quickly that there was no one to witness to. So I didn't need to witness, started drinking, started having sex, all the things. Um, and I was like, I can't really go to church on Sunday. And then I do remember my junior year, I went to church and I just felt so awkward. And I'm like, this used to be my home. I used to be the leader. I used to be the person standing up front why does this feel so awkward? And then over the course of like several months and probably several years, I just had this realization of like, everything was about talking to God and spending one-on-one time with God and putting faith in God that he's going to like help you work everything out. But it was with this end goal of saving souls to Christ. What if that end goal of saving souls to Christ isn't real? And what if that one-on-one time is actually just one-on-one time with yourself? And what if you are enough? There's all of this in the Christianity that I grew up in. There's all of this like, I need God. I need to rely on him. I'm weak. I'm the little lamb. And I'm like, what if I'm not? Because in every other type of everything else we do as Americans, it's like, you're the best. You can be number one. Like, go out and get them. I'm like, yeah. what What if I actually am? What if I can just fucking do this? Oh, sorry. Can I swear? Yes. Yep. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> I think I have plenty of times at this point. Okay. <laughs> I definitely refer, referred to people who drink monster energy as a bitch. So <laughs> true, collectively. <very> true. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah. It's just like, why, why do we have like this one Americana culture, not American, American culture that is like, you're the best, you can do it, go out and be independent. And also that feeds into capitalism as well. And, and then this other, like, get on your knees, worship the Lord, give your life to him. I'm like, those two things don't coexist. And I, I don't, I don't want to just like, and and then like, there's the stripping back of like, but if I'm not doing, what would Jesus do? What am I going to do? Am I going to start raping people? It's like, (laughs) no, you're not actually, you're just going to be a normal person. Hopefully most people. I, that the default of, uh. That's the only reason for morality is like, God, that was, that's one of the most played out. Yeah. Like what you're really, yeah. you're really going to assume that like the only reason people don't kill is because 
this God ordained morality. So that's a wild one. Uh, that, that was one, a really hard line for my mentality. And when yeah. I actually like pulled the curtain down, I was like, Oh, I actually, I don't want to steal things and I don't want to kill people. What a yeah. crazy idea. Just the idea is like, if someone stole from me, I wouldn't like it. I don't yeah. like that feeling. People yeah. are people. Let's not make people feel that way. Okay, perfect. Right. And you can just move on. You don't have to like make this big thing of it. Yeah. That, yeah, was, that I don't, was a minute. I feel like there's a few of those ideas that are just kind of like hardwired into the, it's like the worldview that comes with it. The worldview is almost more toxic and gross than, than like anything else. Cause I, I remember thinking that like, I don't know that I guess like my, so I went to Christian school, you know, and like my history classes and stuff like that, like, only talked about Christian history. That was mm-hmm. it. Like at some point, you know, I watched a documentary or something like that about like ancient Chinese civilizations and like where they date back to and stuff. And I'm like, and it was all I just never even heard of cartoon China. depictions of Chinese people. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> but yeah, it's like, it's like not only is that kind of like pitched as like, this is the linchpin of all morality is Christianity. Like there's nothing outside of this, but then it's Mm -hmm. also like this selective retelling of history Mm -hmm. to match up with that. Like, you know, anywhere that this didn't exist, it was just like murder and mayhem and whatnot. And I don't know. It's just stupid. It's like, don't get me started (laughs) when I, so my mom is very confused as to why she spent so much money to send me to Messiah college. And now I'm like this, um, (laughs) And she's like, I just don't understand. I just don't understand where we went wrong. I'm like, it's nothing wrong. It's just if you think about it logically, are you telling me that this group of like 100 people in the middle of central Pennsylvania has gotten it exactly right? Because I was always taught that there's only one truth. There can't be multiple truths. That's not how truth works. Oh yeah. Like the only way to heaven is if you accept the Lord into your heart. What about Muslims? What about Buddhists? What about any other religion out there like what are you saying about those people she's like oh they just need to be witness to like they're wrong and i'm like that doesn't make sense to me it doesn't make sense to me like think about yourself she's like she goes into the whole thing like oh the book says it's coming true it says it's all happening now and i'm like it's your book it's a very specific book that you've picked left behind (laughs) we're talking about left behind oh oh (laughs) raymond rayford 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 steel That name never really caught up. LaHaye was like, we're going to name him Rayford and people are going to name their children after this because it's a unique Uh, name. All these Christian kids are going to be named Rayford. No, 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 no. Rayford Steele. I don't know any Christian boy named Rayford. So sorry, Tim LaHaye. Dude, those books are so bad. Liberty might have given you a building named after yourself, but no children will name themselves. No children. Getting the name. There's Rayford. multiple. He's uh, dumped Liberty? a lot of money into there. The LaHaye Center. Oh, yeah. We had the LaHaye Center. Was... Oh, sorry. Named after him, though. Named after the author. Yeah. <laughs> the yeah, Ray- yeah. We had, we <laughs> had the, the, uh, the Tim <laughs> Seminary <laughs> quotes Rayford qu- LaHaye Center. The, we had that. the Chloe Steele Auditorium. <laughs> <laughs> Chloe Steele. So he was just coming up with stripper names. Yeah. 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 French adjacent stripper names. <laughs> oh, man. God. So oh, did you those books. love those did books? You, so then did you have like a pretty 
clean, painless exit from it? Or did you nah. like struggle with a lot of guilt? <laughs> nah. Come on now. Not at all. Uh, a couple years ago, my friend was like, you can't really do comedy because you had a really good upbringing and your parents love you. And I was like, yeah, interesting. Let me just dig a what little a bit bad deeper. Take. Anyway, what a bad take uh, anyway. Like, there's a friend on. that doesn't want to share stage time. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, you need trauma. You need more trauma. And so lately, I've really been trying to dig into like the trauma that is caused when your whole moral compass and your whole self is built off this idea of guilt and like you're going to burn in the fiery pits of hell if you don't yeah. do this one thing. Like that's traumatizing. Can we agree that that's trauma? Like that's yeah. It it carries its weight. It carries its fair. It doesn't because that's what I think. That's what fucks people up a little bit is thinking back of like I had a good upbringing. I know my parents loved me. I had a great relationship with them. And then you get out of it and you're like, by no ill intent, Mm -hmm. they brought you up in something that has a lot of fucked up aspects of it. Mm-hmm. And I got more of those fucked up aspects, like probably in church than I did. Well, I guess it was probably equal. My parents were pretty like, they were great, but it was like, we got those themes at home too. I know plenty of people who got it mostly in church, but their parents were more like, didn't talk about that stuff. It, it was mm-hmm. talked about a lot in my family, but, but yeah, it's like the guilt, the shame. I mean, even just like the, the ideas uh, that we grew up with about people in the LGBTQ community where it's like, oh gosh. All of my siblings are part of that now, but like even growing up, it was just like they didn't have one of them didn't have a girlfriend for long enough. And it's just like, all right, I hope you're not gay. It's like, yeah, yeah, okay, cool. But like, yeah, turns out uh, uh, <laughs> three out of four of your other kids are like part of that the LGBTQ community. And now it's just like, uh, so they have all that internalized. Like, yeah. they took them, I mean, some of them took till they're like, they're early 30s to even admit that to themselves because it's like you have all that internalized homophobia or whatever oh my gosh i just like my brother has two kids and they're both under 10 and when i challenge my mom on her lgbtq thoughts i'm like what if one of them she's like don't say that i just pray every day that they're not i'm like but what if they are or what if their best friend is like does it matter and then she's like, no, the Lord will judge them. I'm like, exactly. They don't need your judgment. Just if you want to believe that the Lord will judge them, that's fine. Like, let's do that. Let's call that the game. But it's so infuriating. It's like, what does it matter? What, who, what hole they want to stick it in? Why is that a thing <laughs> that we focus on as humanity? Why does that matter so much? Well, so it's other reasons to judge people. <laughs> that's, that's, yeah, that's like an ongoing theme that we talk about is like, it's really like that, like Christian apprehension about, you know, homo, you know, LGBT stuff, whatever is really it kind of comes down to just like a a convenient cover for homophobia. Most oh, of the for time, sure. you know, for sure. There's people who yeah. are the opposite, right? There's people who like are kind of ashamed of having to like, t- you know, take that stance, but they don't feel like they're, they can let go of that yet. And I think those mm-hmm. people come around eventually, but then there's other people that really just hate gay people. And it's like, yeah, but well, you know, the book says, oh, you know. oh, book. or you're a pastor and on your, you know, Saturday nights, you give guys blowjobs and then you rage against homo, homo, homosexuals on Sunday morning. And you're just, 
There's also yeah. that one. <laughs> it's just like we're just we can all just admit it's kind of like an AA meeting. Like, hi, my name's Sadra. I'm an alcoholic. Hi. Like we should be like, hi, my name's Sadra. I'm a little bit gay. Hi. We're all a little <laughs> bit gay. We just admit we're all just a little bit gay and that that's okay. And yes, we do need to have men and women to procreate to keep society going. And that's another reason why like the gay people have always been hated because I'm sure that, you know, like it would probably be easier if I were into women. Um, in so, some circumstances and for guys, like it could be easier. I don't know, but it's just, yeah, it's just, there's so many cultural things that go against it that don't make sense when you really dig down into it. But I think you're right. And it's just people who are a little bit of that themselves. And then suddenly they turn, they turn it into hatred and, and then they turn that hatred into teaching other people to hate it. Who like my parents, I don't think that either of them are gay, but they have been taught to hate it for yeah. no good reason when they love everyone else. And when you ask them like, why don't you like these people? They're like, I don't know, but I know that I don't I'm like, that doesn't make sense. Can we use or they'll say that they do, but they're just like, I just, you know, but you have to call out the sin and you're like, that's cool. But you don't yeah. talk to your alcoholic brother about his drinking problem. <laughs> so I don't yeah. Know. <laughs> don't get me started on that either. <laughs> Oh, does your parent? Do, no. Does one of your parents have an alcoholic drink, brother? <laughs> no, we don't. We don't have alcoholism in my family. But we had an incident over Thanksgiving where it was questionable whether or not we were going to invite like an uncle. It was my mom's uncle because um, he had gotten. He actually got uh, banned from church um, for. Hey, I know, right? He got banned for from church for exposing himself. What? What? <laughs> okay, you were doing a little. You were singing a song, were you? <laughs> <laughs> so at this, church at church so this guy he's i call i guess he's like a cousin i think he's my mom's cousin actually um, he's like my second cousin first cousin once removed i don't know he, we'll tag him with this it's fine yeah totally yep at, <laughs> like, no. uh every time he sits down he unbuckles his pants Every single time, doesn't matter where and when. And apparently he was at church sitting down and he had undone his pants. And then there was a lovely lady in the pew who kind of like stepped over to be like, good morning. Ah, and saw it and then told one of the elders of the church. And one of the elders had to come over and say, you have to leave, you know, and forever, he, think, forever. And I think that he kind of did that. Oh, I didn't know. Like, I just sat down. It's more comfortable this way. It's like, well, you know, and then I, I heard that he was also texting young women inappropriately so, uh, so yeah so there's it's more that. than just a comfort yes. <laughs> it's more than just you put on a few pounds since last christmas it is funny. this guy's it is literally been touching yourself. unbuckling his pants every time he sits down as just like pervert insurance <laughs> it's like lifelong pervert insurance (laughs) but i always do this dude it's routine at this point i don't know (laughs) my penis is all wadded up in there you know it's just more comfortable to have it in the pew (laughs) he likes to put it in the little hole where you put the communion cups oh Which way would he put it in? From the bottom up or from the top down? Oh, I don't know. He goes from the bottom up. Like a, the bottom like he's up. King up. Yeah, exactly. It's like one of those little hats like a boo war, you know? A fay? A fez. That might be French, actually, yeah. When he's done, he puts a little communion oh, cup on it like a hat. 
on top of it and they come around yeah. to get the tray and he's like it's right here yeah. <laughs> you can pick it up <laughs> <laughs> well, you surprise, gotta take it gotcha. i don't want to touch it. i'm afraid of germs <laughs> it's just like a really <laughs> shitty version of dick in a box it's just like <laughs> just put the communion cup on top of his dick and he's like gotcha and you're like no you didn't stop you do this every week bitch it's every working. week man every week <laughs> <laughs> oh no yeah, the texting oh my God. thing, that, uh, Wait, so, that undermines the, uh, the texting story. thing was a thing too. Okay, so, and then even further backstory, my grandmother passed away when I was in college probably, and I came back for the funeral, and I see everybody at the funeral, and people that I hadn't seen in like a year or two because I was at college, and I go around and I hug everyone, and he's one of the people that I hug. I'm like, hi, so nice to see you. I'm hugging them. Blah, blah. And then my cousin pulls me aside, and she's like, what are you doing? And I was like, I'm just saying hello to the family. What are you doing? And she's like, you don't know what happened to him. And I was like, no. And she's like, he got kicked. He got banned from the public pool for following little boys around. And I was like, why don't you guys tell me these things? Yikes. Oh, yeah. So no. he's like a, he's a repeat like, offender. You're like, I'm not a little boy. What's the problem? <laughs> yeah. Look at me. So feminine. <laughs> oh, God. So, um, that's that a hard a, guy to deal with in a church environment. It was, but, but here's the thing. I use that and I was like, okay, mom, you don't, you say you don't like homosexuals. What about this guy? Are you going to invite him to Thanksgiving? And she's like, I don't know what I should do. And I was like, this is, this is the best, like you can actually grasp the reality of this. This is, this is actually happening. And turns out that he got sent to live in like a family home for dementia. So she didn't have to deal with the problem. Dementia. I was like, dementia. The root cause of all of his ill-advised sexual urges. <laughs> the root cause of his it's pants like, that were too small. Yeah. Yeah. It's like an oh. old person getting caught stealing batteries, and they're like, oh, I'm old, I'm confused. Yeah. He gets caught with his dog out, and he's like, I got dementia, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was sitting. Can I go to rehab? It's like, what? He spe- he's like, I would rather spend the rest of my life getting spoon-fed applesauce than deal with this shame. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> Oh um, boy! So that's in the family. That's okay. fun. Well, okay, um, let's like let's uh let's circle back to your life. Uh, okay. Not that this okay. wasn't fun. I <laughs> a lot of good material like here. Peep show. Yeah. So much good stuff for me to dive into on my on my comedy as well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so you, Messiah, you work at uh, Planned Parenthood. You kind of have this clean break. You go back home here and there. Uh, mm-hmm. Not clean break, but like you kind of just stop doing it which uh, i think is pretty pretty interesting just, that you're able to just like yeah i guess i won't do this do you think you it, were pushing down like feelings of guilt and you didn't want to like mix the yeah. two like or like for sure okay i didn't want to deal with the guilt for sure but because the church had told me there's right and there's wrong and you either have jesus in your heart and you're right and you're good or you don't and you're bad and you're wrong i was like okay well I guess I'm just going to explore this other side of things because I already have Jesus in my heart. Like I already accepted him. You can't take that away from me. That's like a lifelong thing. So I'm saved and I know I'm like dabbling in sin a little bit, but what else am I supposed to do? Cause you've also taught me that all I need to do is witness to people, but everyone around me has been witnessed to. And now, and now the world is telling me go and earn your bachelor's degree and have fun and enjoy these four years. And so that's exactly what I'm going to do. And my family's like supporting me in it. And I have a lot of great like friends and guys that I dated through that time. And I'm like, I'm, I'm exactly where I should be. And so each day I'm gaining more confidence and I'm getting less and less of this, uh, 
I need to be down on my knees praying, like asking for forgiveness. And I'm so ashamed of myself. I'm actually becoming more confident and I'm like learning things and I'm being challenged in my learning for the first time. And there was this really great, I'm sure you guys had this at Liberty too. I had this really great group of people that I formed who came from stringent religious backgrounds as well. And we weren't all like, fuck God, let's get high and like go have sex. But it was like little by little, like, oh, what if we like had some wine tonight? (laughs) I mean, Jesus drank this. He turned water into it. We can babble. My cousin used to give me a little cup at church. (laughs) It was like, it's just like little by little, uh, I started to experiment with things. And then I realized like, hey, what we were talking about earlier, this isn't all bad just because it's not like labeled as good. It's not all bad. Um, and then I started to develop very different political views to what my family had in central Pennsylvania, even though I still was in central Pennsylvania. Um, but again, I think it's pretty normal for like young twenties to be like, Hey, maybe we should be helping the homeless and giving to the poor and doing all these things that Jesus said we should do. What are you guys, what are you guys doing out there? Capitalists. Well, see, that's the church's job. The government on the other hand is supposed to. <laughs> right. I can't believe these guys are not working. They're just living off your paycheck. It's like, yeah. what? have you seen their lives? Like what? Are... <sighs> so the political, political shifts was a big one. I was like, that's what sucked me in first was like, yeah, Oh, I can believe these different things about people mm-hmm. uh, that seem to align more with my religious and Christian sentiments. Like this yeah. feels more like it lines up with what I've what with what I believe and do in my personal life. So yeah, yeah. Like I just kept thinking, how many times is my mom stressing out during the last prayer at church because she has a roast in the oven and we have to like <laughs> get home to take out this piece of dried meat. <laughs> Like she doesn't do low and slow, then does she? No, 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 not at <laughs> this all. This altar call is killing me. <laughs> she's like, We gotta go, kids. I'm like, That's not community, that's not worship, that's not what it's all about. Um, and then I started to actually find what well, I think what I really found is that people liked me for me and they didn't like me because I was the leader or something and they had to like me, and that Ooh. was a shock. And I was like, whoa, maybe I don't need to be the center of attention or the leader telling people what to do or organizing this thing. My friends actually just call me and they want to hang out with me. And I never really, like I had friends in high school, but they were always on a sports team or in a play with me. Like we were always doing something together. They were in youth group, you know? It's like proximity relationships, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Nobody ever called me and they're like, do you want to hang out? Because I never had time to hang out because I was going, 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 going. And in college, like you have some time to chill and people call you and you're like, wow, they, they picked me. They want to hang out with me and I'm Mm. not organizing something. I'm not preaching something to them. And so that was a big change. That was a big shift as well. Um, I think for us, like our, our brand of evangelicalism was so like protectionist. It was all like, you know, Hey, we gotta, we gotta, you know, think about the world. We got to witness to people. We got to do that. But it it was always like foreign missions was like what we mm -hmm, talked mm -hmm. about. It was like those people over there, you know, the local community here is our mission field, really. But really what we need to do is protect our kids from Mm -hmm. the outside world because it's terrible out there. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it almost kind of like made it it made it tough to feel secure in those friendships a lot of times because everybody was always kind of like looking for 
I, I know I was, I mean, and I'm speaking as myself is like, I was always like looking for failure and weak point and stuff like that because I had to protect myself against that in other people, yep. you know? For sure. So like there was never the sense of trust and stuff like that, that I think should, sure. you know, I should have been able to have with the people yeah. around me, you know? hundred percent. I have a very vivid memory of finishing high school basketball games and everyone from the stands comes down onto the court and everyone starts hugging and high-fiving like if you win or lose because it's high school, come on. And my parents never did that. And I always remember feeling like the game's over and now I don't belong anywhere. I don't have like a group mm. that, I, that I'm going towards. My mom recently said to me, she's like, you know, I watched other parents go down and hug and kiss their kids and be all over them. And I didn't want to do that to you guys. I wanted to let you guys like have your, do your own thing. And I really thought about it. I haven't. I haven't figured out a way to, to say this back to her yet, but in her mind, she's doing the right thing because she's letting us have our own space. And in my mind, I had been taught so long that I needed to be in a specific space in order to be me and like who I was. I didn't know where to go. And that has always been this like isolating memory of like, I didn't know who I was or what I needed to be doing at that time, um, which is crazy. Like you said earlier, like our parents to no fault of their own thought that they were raising us in these like really great environments and just a, very small memory like that is so different for her than it is for me. Yeah. I, I think that's a great, uh, just, it's kind of like a microcosm of like what evangelical childhood is where it's like mm -hmm. the, how you, cause I've even, I haven't had a lot of conversations with my mom. The ones I've had about it are, are always good. Uh, my mom's a very, very, wonderful reasonable person and i know she's dealing with that feeling of like she homeschooled all of us with the intention mm -hmm. of raising us in the christian faith and having us carry on the evangelical conservative evangelical tradition whatever because that's what that that's what was correct to, to mm -hmm. her and so she i know it's i, I know it's tough for her to mm -hmm. to in different capacities all of her kids have abandoned that uh, whether or not they've abandoned Christianity as a whole is different, but like that is not easy for her. Uh, cause she's still mm -hmm. in that. She still believes all that, but you know, she, it's never a point of contention or anything like that. But I've had a couple conversations where it's like, we've talked about how I recall things versus how she recalls it. And it's I'm like, wild. I, I almost wish I could do it more. Uh, those conversations are always good, but they are, there's usually put a, at least a couple years between them and they're very draining. Uh, mm -hmm. they're good, but they do, there's an emotional cost to it. And you, you hear kind of the lament, uh, on mm -hmm. her side and, but also like that reckoning of like how different you viewed those experiences and like what she mm -hmm. was thinking during it and how she was trying to communicate something versus how we internalized it. And mm -hmm. it is, so I think that, that example is like, that's, unless you have really shitty parents, like, and some people did. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, that is kind of what it's like for a lot of the ex-evangelical 30-somethings people. Yeah. And this specific memory is one that I've thought about a lot in the last decade. And I've thought about it unintentionally, but more recently with the intention of somehow using it to communicate to my mom that feeling of always being a part of something. Because my nephews are growing up and they're, they live in the, actually live in the same house. Um, but so my mom's around them all the time and I want to communicate this idea of like, they don't, you don't, you don't always have to be part of like a group to be seen. 
to be you and to be, to, to be, and my parents loved me a lot. And so I'm trying to find the right words to explain this to her. Then the last time I was home, she just said that she's like, oh, you know, after basketball games, after football games, whatever, I just didn't want to like be all, all up in your space. And I just wanted to scream like, but I wanted you to, mm-hmm. I just wanted you to be my mom then. That's exactly what I wanted. And the reason that I joined youth group when I was so adamant on witnessing doing all these things is to belong to something because I felt like I needed to be in a space. And without saying that my mom or dad did anything wrong, I'm wondering now if it's because there was this like push of society and groups and be in something and not this like loving, like fam- familial warmth. But yeah, I don't know. I should be paying a therapist for this. Not you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you're not paying us, so it's fine. Uh, yeah, done. <laughs> it is. Uh, oh, whatever. It just slipped. I had something no. going to add on to that, but it's fine. <laughs> I think yeah. uh, one of the things that's that's been fun for me over the years is like finding out that my parents had similar thoughts about people or ideas at the time, and and you know they just didn't say them to me but like i i remember there was like one person in particular around my church and school that like at some point my dad was like i don't like that guy and like you don't have to do anything with that guy you don't have to talk to him if he bothers you just like (laughs) tell him to get lost and like find it out there was other people like that where i was like i always thought so and so was kind of a moron and he's like yeah i thought so too <laughs> that's really funny <laughs> you're like uh, we would have been bros dad <laughs> yeah we could have mutually hated people it been fun. <laughs> uh, that's really funny uh, my thought prior that came back to me is we is the whole like you had to belong to something i mm-hmm. i i think it's interesting because we don't necessarily like that that's so part of our culture like as a mm-hmm. whole i think um, mm-hmm. American culture, it's like so sports does something similar to people. Um, just, even politics now, politics is a new religion. Uh, mm-hmm. but it's like mm-hmm. people are just looking like they are looking for a group that they belong in and they do everything they can to like fit in and prove. I think that's where like all this double down bullshit keeps coming from, which is like, cause I mean, I'm, I, I, I guess I'd classify myself as a leftist of sorts, but even within like that world or like liberal mindsets, you just kind of see people's double down on shit in a way that it's like, that reminds me way too much of the evangelical world that I grew up in, Mm. like the vitriol Mm -hmm. and the, if you're not in, you're out bullshit. Like Mm -hmm. it's unsettling. And it's like, but it's when like you just see the same patterns repeat even outside of it. I don't mm-hmm. think necessarily they come with the same toxic baggage if you grew up with like liberal parents and turned out more conservative or vice versa. But um, mm. something about the looming threat of eternal conscious torment does something to you. Uh, but <laughs> Yo, <laughs> but there man, is that sense of belonging game. that yeah. people are just trying to find. And if they if that if that bubble works for them, they're like, of course, it makes sense to raise kids in this and 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 give them the same sense of belonging that I found here. Uh, I don't know. It's weird. I think very cult. It's just very cultural for, a, a, or so, human. not even cult humans, very yeah. human. Some things are human rather than Christian, you know? Uh, yeah. Human. But uh, so being like an expat right over in France, cause I've lived there for a while. 
So yeah. many other expats are trying to create groups with you and they're trying to create community. And it has this evangelical huh. feel to it. It's like, what are you going to talk to me about? And then you get in there and they're like, we just want to speak English. Like, we just want to hang out with you. Mm. And, and I did that at first, like a little bit. And it, again, like now I've just formed friends who I met at bars and restaurants and out doing things that I like to do. And I don't want to be in a group because it's a group. Because that to me feels oppressive. Like that feels like going back to youth group and like, what are we all going to do? Talk about God. It's like, no, can we just hang out with like-minded people? Can we just be adults? So I get yeah, really I love that. anxious about like meetup groups are really big in Paris. Um, any sort of like, when I first moved there, I was like playing tennis a lot and, you know, I would do tennis groups and then people got into that. And I just like, didn't, I don't, I don't necessarily want to be, like ha have like a, a name of like something we all do together. I just want to hang out with you because you're you. I, I want you to that. hang out with me because I'm me, you know? We don't all have to like like every single thing together. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I want to let's let's focus mm. on some of your because yeah, you said uh we talked yeah. we said it before the recording, but you've been in Paris for like you said fifteen, 15 years. years. That's so Maybe. fucking crazy. So yeah. Now this Let's, is the French uh, portion of the podcast. Yeah, we don't have like with the time we have left. I, I want to kind of hear about some like that aspect sure. of your life, and then obviously you getting into stand up because that's yeah takes yeah. uh that's a big move for people to decide that they're going to get absolutely zero response. <laughs> like to come <laughs> the first time they're like, I'm going to do this, knowing that I might want to actually die afterwards. <laughs> So. That's so accurate. You've looked into my soul. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so the move to France was actually pretty easy for me thinking back because I just I always had wanderlust. I always wanted to travel. I went to here's fun. Here's a funny one. I went to France. I was supposed to go to France for the first time in 2001. That didn't happen. Um, 2001. Hmm. Sounds hmm. familiar. Hmm. What were we doing what that month? year? Was there a month in particular? <laughs> Probably just slamming back monsters and eating Slim Jims. What were <laughs> yeah, we doing? While smoking Marlboros. You wanted to be in the U.S. for like the Two Towers release. Yeah. Oh. Well, you had to witness under them too, so. Yeah. Yeah. That was iconic. iconic. Was that what so, was so wild about that experience? You were witnessing under them as they were falling. Yeah, that's what it was actually. That, yeah. I'm the one commitment. who took the, took the footage. That's the commitment. See, yeah. I love your commitment and I can see why stand-up has worked so well for you. <laughs> Committed oh, to the game. Everybody's listening. Please follow me. I'm trying to get more followers than my eight-year-old nephew. Um, <laughs> yeah. Could, what is he unbox some fucking <laughs> Paw Patrol toy on TikTok? He's to be the he next Ryan. chicken nuggets. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, this one's ketchupy. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Um, what was I saying? France. Oh, oh um, yeah. Didn't go in 2001. We we're supposed to go in 2001. So the next year, it got pushed a year, right? It went 2002. And I remember we organized a limo for the seven or eight of us to go from central Pennsylvania to New York City because it was the cheapest option. And they were playing a movie in the limo and they decided to play Harry Potter. I kid you not. I sat with my eyes closed for the entire duration of that because Harry Potter was, quote unquote, of the devil. <laughs> That's conviction. Whoa. <laughs> As like a 17 year old, I might have been 18. I don't know. 
girl, I was just like, I can't believe this is happening. Oh my gosh, the Lord will try you in so many ways. Stay strong. And my friends are like drinking champagne and watching Harry Potter. And they're like, come on, man. And I'm like, no, this is where the devil gets you. I still, I mean, I still haven't seen Harry Potter, but that's for different reasons, just because I haven't had time. I'm sure it's awesome. Hearing Uh, it was the defection point, though. (laughs) Yeah, I could have been like, la, 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 the whole time. And it wasn't that obnoxious. (laughs) Um, no, but I went to France for a trip, like a proper, like a week trip or something in high school. And then proper, proper. I was just with my British friend for a week. I still have her voice in my head. Saying proper Um, for a proper trip feels like a British thing to say. You're right. It's, and also like living in Europe for a while, like some, you, some euphemisms have rubbed off on me. Um, but that was a week. And then I was like, oh, I just really want to live there. And so my senior year in college, I organized, um, a way to work over there. And I organized that in advance and I figured out my work visa. And then, um, I just kind of stayed is the long, the long and short story of it. Like after a year, I was like, I love this place. This is amazing. Looking back on it, I was also shedding my Christianity, shedding my evangelicalness and like leaving all of that behind shout out Rayford Steele. Um, <laughs> <laughs> And it was easier to do that with this geographical distance in between myself and my church. Yeah. Um, I and I that. just like created a new life, created a new identity. I think, I don't, is it a, is it particularly American to just be baffled and sh- just shocked by somebody moving to another country and staying there? Yeah. It's like, it oh, oh my God. Really? Yes. Yeah. I don't I feel is. like I, as soon as I reacted, I was like, that feels dumb. That feels like a dumb reaction. <laughs> Um, I, it's not dumb. It's just that people in Europe do it all the time. Like they cross borders yeah. and they live different places and people and are not transient and they're closer yeah. to people's like any, if you live in the U S the idea of going somewhere where you like someone might not speak your language mm. is like shocking. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't help that we grew up with people acting like the Spanish language is going to take over and it was a nightmare to scenario to think about that, but <laughs> going yeah. like, it's i mean it's obviously nerve there's an aspect of like going somewhere where someone might not understand you that is difficult uh but for sure for that area seems very like there's a lot of different languages spoken fairly regularly is that right yeah absolutely and i'm not gonna lie the first three years were really hard and i was missing my family and my comfort zone and like france is not good at accessibility like people aren't nice customer service doesn't really exist um, you can't, there's no drive throughs There's no late night things. Like even there in tipping? Paris, like there is tipping, but not 20%. Ah, fuck. Okay. None of the little well, screens that they flip around and they're yeah. like 22% <laughs> suggestion. Damn. None of that. Um, Anytime you see a screen like that, you're just like, fuck, I am going to tip for something I never tipped for once in my entire life. It's See, I see them like, because I have like reverse culture shock because I haven't been here in so long. And I see them, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm going to give this hardworking kid a tip. Yeah. Like, <laughs> come on. <laughs> like an old fogey already (laughs) (laughs) um but it it was it was hard for so many reasons and then and then again I started developing this real community and it was a true community because we had these shared experiences and I wasn't proselytizing I wasn't witnessing anyone I was just like oh French is hard and it's hard to do things here and everything's closed on Sundays but the countryside is beautiful and oh I'm starting to get the language oh and I'm starting to make friends and like you just develop community and you do it on your own and which again is kind of very American. I'm going to make the argument that moving to France is the most American thing you can do. 
<laughs> is independent. <laughs> it's taking responsibility for yourself. It's figuring shit out. Like you I pulled yourself up out. by your bootstraps. By my own bootstraps. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so that I, I love it now for so many reasons. Um, and I was, I was given a book a couple years ago that was all about comedy because I had started to talk to some of my friends about wanting to do comedy. Um, but I was never, I just never had the confidence to do it, which is funny because I always wanted to be the center of attention, but I thought mm. that it needed to be like theater or singing. And I was in a band in France for 14 years now. I just quit last year actually to do comedy. Um, oh, cool. but yeah, yeah, it was fun. So I'm not like, uh, I'm not scared of public speaking or, or getting up in front of people, but there was something about making them laugh that seemed really daunting. And I was given this book and it was a great book. And it said, try every form of comedy, try writing, try stand up, try improv. Blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, "Ugh, I don't want to do stand up. I'm going to bomb. It's going to feel awful. Blah, blah, blah. But then I just said, you know what? You got to live outside your comfort zone. That's how you push yourself. That's how you learn new things. You meet new people. And so I gave myself to the end of 2019 and October 1st, 2019 was the first time I did stand up. Uh, in the tiniest little room with two of my friends in the front row and they had big smiles on their faces. It was five minutes and I did okay. You know, I didn't kill, but I didn't bomb. I got some genuine laughs from other people. And it was just this, it was the same feeling of going into like a high school playoff game and being so excited for that game, but also being so nervous. You know what I mean? <laughs> Like yeah. that adrenaline that like, oh, this is this is the moment. And then you get up there and like all the adrenaline comes out because you practice for it. And I was very diligent. I practiced from the mirror hundreds of times. Um, and I was just hooked. I was just hooked from then on out. And then COVID hit. And so I had to take a big old break from it. <laughs> yeah, that was um, a tough time. For so many people, for so many things. So I don't want to be, you know, the one who's like, oh, but then COVID killed it. It's like, I just found my passion. And I was so happy to have found my passion. Um, and so it was okay that there was this global pandemic that everyone else had to wait out as well. Uh, and then all the more reason now, like I travel to do comedy every single opportunity I can get. I'm always trying to get stage time in Paris. I produce a show there. Um, you know, I'm, I'm working on this thing cause it gives me so much passion and it's not something that like that I've been told I need to do. And it's not like a group that I have to be in. It's not like this thing that it's not a guilt driven passion is what I'm saying, which is what my whole life was being yeah. a Christian. <laughs> Must be nice to find that. Yeah. No, it was, a, it's, I said it's that like I haven't, I don't I feel like that communicated Must the wrong message. Must, Must be, be nice. nice. <laughs> I still feel guilty about everything I do. This podcast. Fuck it. It's He's been a little bitter about about it since failing out of whaling school in Cape Cod. <laughs> no, that I is just, a big deal though. That's like uh takes a lot of resilience. I've yeah. tried stand up a couple of times and oh, yeah? it, it was it was rough. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because you say things often that get big hits, like Mm. just weird connections to things maybe it's because it's in the moment uh but i feel like those would or should translate to being on a stage but maybe you just did it in front of people who don't get any of your jokes that could be yeah also you can say the same joke in front of a crowd it'll get a massive laugh and then to another crowd it won't yeah for a million different reasons the delivery what did they do that day you know 
I feel like it's a little like golfing where it's like you go out golfing for the first time in two years and you hit a couple of ones that are pretty good. And you're like, oh, well, okay, too bad at this. And then you start thinking about it and you just start taking chunks of sod out of the (laughs) tee box and digging the trench in the fairway and stuff. (laughs) I mean, there's definitely ups and downs to it. Um, But the love is there. And I think like the hang is what's the best. So there's that adrenaline of getting on stage and getting people to like the sound of laughter and people laughing at something that you've conceived and you've thought of and you put into words is so intoxicating. But then the hang afterwards, oh my gosh, if like, if that's a drug, I want to bottle it and just drink it all the time. Talking to other comics and having them be like, hey, that was cool. Try this spin on it. Oh, hey, do you want to do this show? Hey, do you want to talk, work out this joke with me? Like just speaking with like-minded people, but from all different walks of life. And again, having them look at you as just a comedian and you're not like, they don't have to talk to you because you're this, I don't know, you're part of this group. You're just a comedian. Yeah. I I feel like it's a great leveler. That sounds really cool. The idea of like saying of people just, I guess like the release of ego in that you can say, you can, you'll tell a joke Mm -hmm. and people will see the potential in it if it didn't hit or didn't do great or could be better. And you Mm -hmm. see that with like someone like, you know, you'll hear from, if you watch some of the greats, right. Like Mm -hmm. your Bill Burr. So like you'll, you'll, you watch them and you're like, it sounds like, it sounds like you're making this up on the spot. And obviously they work the material out for quite a while before they get to that point. But also there's a, they just kind of have it at some level too. And, but just, we listen, Casey and I listen to a lot of comedy podcasts and comics talk about being comics. And it's like that idea of, I think that's something that you hear a lot is just like, you say it and then someone's like, I think it would, I think it could do better like this. And they're just like, yeah. thank you for that. Not like, that's my joke. Why are you fucking with it? And I think oh, it's no. such a good, cool, like to be able to have, be around people who are trying to be funny and kind of mm-hmm. kick back these jokes back and forth and back and forth. And mm-hmm. even listening to some of really like some of like the top comics be like, I had this joke. I loved the shit out of it. I did it over and over and over again. And it never got a laugh. It, it mm-hmm. never got more than just like a ha 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 ha. And eventually I cut it from my act. And it's just like, you're yeah. one of the funniest people alive as far as I'm concerned, but yeah. you couldn't get that joke to float. And I think that's yeah. listening to it talked about as a craft. Like if it's talked, it's almost like sounds like comedy is often talked to like, it's like a virtue. Like you're so funny. It's like a virtue, but it's like, it's mm. not a, there's, there's being funny and then there's mm-hmm. doing comedy, mm-hmm. doing stand-up comedy, and they're very different. And yeah. I, I I love listening to that and hearing different people's experiences with it. So like just listening to your experience with it, I yeah. think is just really fun and, and interesting to learn about. Yeah. I was just talking to a guy at a show last night about like, hey, did you try this angle or that? And he's like, oh, that's so interesting. And you break down the joke so much that neither of you are laughing at the joke or the punchline. Cause he said the punchline a million times. I'm hearing it for the first time. And I'm like, try, try it this way. And he's like, Oh yeah, I'm definitely gonna try it this way. I was like, like these other guys were like, t- they told me to go deeper with this joke and dig deeper. And I didn't really know what that meant. And it's like, I'm going to give him that feedback. And then in two weeks time, someone else is going to give him some feedback. Hopefully like that's the circle of life of the joke, you know? Yeah. And, and I'm getting feedback on my jokes from people who I look up to and people who I reach out and message and people who I annoy. I'm like, can I tell you a joke that you're not going to laugh at, but I want your feedback on <laughs> Like all the the time, all the time. (laughs) It's like when you turn into a science, it's like, I'm trying to think of almost another way to relate this, but like 
So, you know, the, like you hear jokes, it's like you can hear jokes sometimes and you go, holy shit, that's like really funny. But you don't yeah. necessarily like crack Laugh. up. On it. You just mm-hmm. you recognize like the wit. In it, and mm-hmm. you're almost so surprised by it that like you don't laugh, but you you connect how and mm-hmm. why that that's yep. really well crafted and funny. And I, it sounds like that's what you're talking about. You, the more you repeat, because some comics will be like, I you know, by the time I'm done with the, by the time I'm telling these jokes, I hate yeah. them. They're not funny anymore. <laughs> well, that's yeah, that's a whole nother. That's like gone full circle. But the reason I know the reason I know about you guys is because I was doing a show in New York and this guy came up to me afterwards and he said, we weren't laughing because we were reliving our own trauma listening to you tell your <laughs> jokes. <laughs> He's like, we just we're back in high school in our parents' house, like going to church again. Um, he's like, you have to I listen my to pants. this podcast. <laughs> That is so cool. I love that you, I, God, that makes me feel so great. I'm, so, I'm glad you told us that. Cause yeah. You ever seen that Tim and Eric skit with the, uh, it's with Will Forte and he's like, it's like quilting with Will. And like every time they show him, he starts talking about his dad at some point and he gets really angry that he pees his pants. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Every time I talk about my father, there's an involuntary police here. that's amazing so well yeah that's exciting to hear Um, yeah so i appreciate whoever's out there proselytizing for us yeah yes that's the kind of proselytizing (laughs) we want for a podcast baby um yeah i like that you checked it out afterwards because the amount of times people have been like just told me about something in passing that i should check out that i have not checked out is yeah. most of the time. So I mean, I get that, but y'all's podcast is called Growing Up Christian. Yeah. And I just got off stage doing a bunch of jokes about growing up Christian. I was like, I guess I should check this out. <laughs> Seems a little on the nose. I'll give it a try. <laughs> <laughs> no, okay. We, yeah, we weren't going for subtlety, I guess. <laughs> oh, that's well, so great. So it's been it was great awesome. to meet you. Thank you for uh thank yeah. you for coming on and Sharing your story. Thanks for listening to my silly, crazy little life story. It's been super fun. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Where where can people find you? They can find me on Instagram at Sadra Sumner S A D R A S U M N E R. And for now, it's kind of the only place. I have a couple exciting projects coming up in Paris. One of them's called Europe Late. Um, Europe, like the continent, late, like not early. Um, it's basically a news comedy show that's European based, but it's all going to be in English. So they can watch along starting February 4th. Oh, cool. Yeah. Definitely. We'll check. I'm wondering, this is, uh, we might be a little reference actually to it, uh, by the time this comes out. Oh, awesome. Yeah. And I mean, that's on, that's on Instagram too. You guys can follow that. Cool. Listeners can follow that already. We're just producing headlines now. We're going to have some live video coming out, um, in February. So that's exciting. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. Instagram. See, you must be must be Instagram. a true millennial. I'm trying to get on the TikTok. I just need to do it. You know? Mm, it hurts. It's it a painful hurts. experience being there. Yeah. Well, I mean, I wouldn't invest a lot of time. We're likely going to have that banned in the US eventually, but True. I mean, well, I don't live there, so you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, but fair. everybody. Yeah. Thanks for listening and uh, go follow Sadra on Instagram and talk to you next time.